We're going to continue our sermon series again, that it, it's time going through the book of John. And uh, a couple year, a few years ago, I, I had a car that I, I bought off an older lady from a, a guy to car shop, said, hey, she doesn't drive it, she doesn't need it anymore. Got a pretty good price. I mean, it was, it was an older car, but it ran well. I didn't really have too many problems, and I, I ran this thing for, for several years. Uh, but the last two years that I had this car, it started to have this problem. And I would go out to start my car, and it, it just didn't start. And then, and I know nothing about cars, so I, you know, I act like I do, you know, like you kick the tires and open the trunk, you know, open the hood and look at stuff, but I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and so, and so it wouldn't start, like, wouldn't even like turn over, and then I'd wait, and I'd come back out like five minutes later, the car would start, and I would drive, no problem. Uh, and so, and the car never felt like there was anything wrong with it, like it just, out of the blue, it just, it just stopped. So as time begins to progress, this starts to happen a little bit more where, again, the car just wouldn't start, and I would wait, and then the, the car would start, and then I would get in, and I, I would drive, and I didn't have any problems with it. Um, and, and I couldn't figure out what was going on because it started happening more frequently. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe it's just really, really cold out. Maybe it's too hot. Maybe it rained and something you know, got in the car and that's been messing with it. I took it into the car shop. He couldn't figure out what was going on. People who knew cars were trying to figure out. Like, we just couldn't figure this thing out. Well, it started to get to a point where this car started to act up more and more. So it was like a couple times a month, this car just would not start. And so then I started to like go through the process. Like, okay, every time I got into my car, does Krista need the car today? Because if this car doesn't work, I gotta try to get where I'm going. Or maybe if I was out, I'm thinking to myself, if I'm trying to get home, you know, who's close by that could possibly drive me home? Uh, and so, uh, you know, I started to have some of these issues because then the other problem was that the five the 10 minutes became longer and longer to the point that sometimes it wouldn't start and I had to wait the entire day and then it would start the next day. Again, no rhyme or reason, it would just start. But I started to have this. And then I started to get the routine where every time I got into the car, I said my prayer to God. I was like, oh, Lord, please let this car start, right? I started to get to that point. Um, well, I, I remember one time we went, uh, my buddy was having a bachelor party. We went down to the city. We, we did some ax throwing. We went to a restaurant down there. And you have to understand, I am not a city guy. Okay, I hate the city, I'm terrified of the city. Uh, so the whole time I'm driving down, you know what I'm thinking, is this car gonna get me home, right? I'm supposed to be celebrating with my buddy and that's all I'm thinking. So I pull into the, 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 you know, the, the parking spot, I pay, we go and we have a good time and we come back out. And I'm like, this is the moment of truth. And so I am praying extra hard and, and, and everybody else parks somewhere else, they're gone and I go to start the car and nothing happens. And now I'm starting to get frantic because I'm in the city, I don't wanna be here, I'm pumping the gas and I'm trying and it's not working. I'm like, come on Lord, you can't leave me here. And I'm, you know, then you start rationaling through everything. Like, what do I do? Like, like is somebody gonna come get me? Like, is, am I gonna have to leave this car? How much is it gonna cost to leave this car in the parking lot overnight? Am I gonna have to tow this thing home? Then I start thinking, can I just push this thing down a hill somewhere? <laughs> then I start praying, maybe somebody will hit my car in the parking lot, right? I, all of these things are going through my mind and I am just praying and I'm getting so anxious. I'm Finally, that thing starts, and you better believe I did not let off the gas until I got home. Because I said, there is no way I am letting this car stop. Well, needless to say, it hit a point where we finally said, I can't drive it anymore. Never figured out what was ever wrong with this car. But 
when we have a lack in trust, we get anxious, right? We get worried about what's going to happen in life. And so what I want us to understand today is that there is a full confidence and trust in God that we can have regardless of whatever circumstance or trial or difficulty that we are going through. So if you have your Bibles, you guys can open up to, to John chapter 14. So again, we've been trying to go through this last week of his earthly ministry. We see that John um, is writing about this time, and we're doing this series again to understand that God has set up specifically for this moment to demonstrate to the world who he is. And he has committed his life to going to the cross. And we're seeing all the other things that God is committing to in this very moment. And so last week, um, Jason went through and we're, we're talking about, you know, how you have Judas uh, and you have Peter and these two guys that you think, right, should be on his side. And there, there, there's, some, there's some hesitations and some problems and, and Christ just continues to love on them, right? And it's only through Christ that we can have that kind of love. But he says some of these things where he says, one of you is going to betray me and Judas, that is you. And then he says to them, I have to go away. And then he says to Peter, he says, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, I would never deny you. I would stand to you to the end. And Christ is like, no, you ain't. It's not going to happen. And so there is this fear and this trepidation again that the, the, the disciples are like, we're following you. What do you mean? What's going on? And so Jesus is starting to sense this level of anxiety and this level of fear. And he's going to address it through this passage. So in John chapter 14, starting in verse 1 here, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So again, Jesus sense there's, there's some fear. There's some discomfort, trepidation, and he's trying to bring some, you know, some comfort to them. And he says, listen, he says, I got to go away. Okay, but you got to understand, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to get things prepared for you. And I'm going to come back for you. Okay, so, so don't let your hearts be troubled. It's, it's okay. It's kind of like, you know, like when, when, mom, when mom has to leave the child off in the nursery and it's like, don't worry, I'll be back. I'll be back. That's kind of the sense of what Jesus has got going on. And he says, listen, I got to go. And I've already told you, I have to go and die. Okay, this has to happen. And the disciples are not comforted by this at all. Okay, so let's continue here. Verse five. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? 
Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father and you may ask him for anything in my name and I will do it. So, so Thomas is worried here and he says, I, I got to figure out, he says, what do you mean? He says, we don't know where you're going. How, how are we supposed to get there, Jesus? You can't just abandon us like this. And he says, stop. He says, you do know the way. He says, I've been telling you all along how to get there. And he says, he says, listen, he says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. He says, Thomas, if you want to get to where I'm going, it is through me. This is how it has to happen. He says, I'm the gatekeeper of heaven, right? The way to God, Thomas, is to get to me. And then Philip chimes in and he says, who's the father? Can you show us the father? And Jesus is like, oh, Philip. Philip says, I mean, how many times does he say to Philip after this? He says, I am in the father and the father is in me. Believe in me and believe in the father, right? I and the father are one, Philip. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so he's trying to provide this level of comfort. And then he goes on and he says something interesting here. And he says, listen, guys. He says, I am in God and God is in me and we are one. The way to get to heaven is through me. And you're going to do even greater things than, than what I've done. And they're like, what? Wait a minute. We're just trying to figure out where you're going, and now you're telling us that we're going to do greater things? Now, Jesus doesn't wait for a response on this, and he's just going to keep going along here. So let's keep reading. He says, If you love me, you will obey what I've commanded, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live and you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come to me, and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, and they belong to the Father who sent me. And all of this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not give, and, and I, I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. And if, I, if you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming and he has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. So he says to these, these disciples, he says, listen, he says, those that obey my teaching, those who love me, I'm speaking to you guys, okay? I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of those who love me and whom I love, those that understand and will obey my teaching. He says, listen, when I go, I'm going to give you something. I am going to give you another counselor. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And that word in, in the Greek there, when it says another, it's literally translated as something of the same quality. So here's what Jesus is saying. He says, listen, I'm not going to be here physically, but I'm going to give you that something that is the very same essence of who I am. So if you're worried about me leaving, this is actually better for you. Because see, I can physically go away from you, but the Holy Spirit will always be with you. Now, just a quick little aside here, just a, a theological understanding. The word Trinity never exists in the Bible. We talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but that word itself never shows up. So how is it as Christians that we try to understand that God is three in one? Well, it's, it's this very passage here of John 14. Because isn't that what Jesus has just said? That I and God are one, and now I'm offering the Holy Spirit, which is another of the same quality. It's another of the same essence. So what we have is this kind of, for us, again, in our finite minds, trying to grasp this idea that God is three in one in the sense of the Trinity, this is where we can find it, right? So when people say that Jesus is not God, we can go back to this passage and say, no, that's incorrect. Jesus is God, right? And they could say, well, the Holy Spirit is not God. No, the Holy Spirit is God because it is the same quality and the same essence. So the way that God has loved you is the same way that the Holy Spirit has loved you. And it's the same way Jesus is saying to his disciples, the way that I have loved you. Okay? So again, he's trying to provide them this level of comfort. And, and so Judas here, again, this is a different Judas. He says, well, you're not going to show yourself to the world, Jesus? I don't get it. And he says, no, I am. I'm showing myself, but it's only the people who listen to me will understand and recognize who I am and what I am doing. He says, but I'm telling you all of this because when I go away, when I am gone, and you are struggling that I am not there physically and that my body has been hung on the cross and put in the grave and you are terrified and worried to death that something is going to happen to you, Jesus is saying, I want you to be okay. I will be back for you. Okay? So he, he's trying to constantly provide this level to care for their fear. And again, the disciples are thinking, but this is the guy that we followed. This is, this is the guy that cared for us and provided for us. This is the guy that fed us. This is the guy that paid our taxes. Every time we had a question, we can run to Jesus, and he's not going to be there anymore. 
And Jesus is saying to them, he says, listen, I'm giving you a layer of comfort here, and I'm giving you another layer of comfort, and I'm going to provide another layer of comfort to you because I want you to be okay. And again, remember, the disciples are thinking this was supposed to be the guy that was going to free us from Roman oppression. This was going to be our savior. And Jesus, again, speaks in a completely different level and a different spiritual understanding from them. And, and so let's, let's kind of look at these different levels of comfort that he's providing. So first off, he's providing us an eternal comfort. He says to them, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm going to prepare a room for you. So again, in, in, in biblical times, when a son or a daughter was going to get married, the way it worked was they, they'd have kind of the, the proposal, they'd have the legal engagement, and then the son would leave his bride, he'd go back to his father's house, and he'd start to build an addition onto his father's house. And then when his father said to his son, yep, that looks ready that you can raise your family in there, now you can go back and get your bride. And that's what Jesus here is telling his disciples. He says, I have to die so I can go back into heaven and be with my father. And when I go, I'm going to prepare a room for you. I'm getting this room in heaven ready for you. And then when that room is all set and it is ready because God said his son on the cross that your blood has washed over the sins of mankind, he will come back and he will get his disciples. He will come back and he will get his bride and he will come back and he will get you and me. And he says, I know this is hard to understand, but this has been part of my plan from the beginning of all eternity. I had set in motion from the very beginning that my son was going to come and he was going to die and give his life for you and prepare a place for you. And I love the fact that it says there are many rooms because God's love is infinite. There, there, is, there is no cap to who God can love. There is space for all of us if we're willing to follow and obey. And that's what he's telling each of his disciples here. And he says, if you're worried about how to get there, he said, again, it's through me. What we see in Romans 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. End of story. There is nothing else that you have to do to earn or obtain that salvation. It is where you stand on the belief of Jesus Christ that will open up the room in heaven for you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to say so many prayers. You don't have to, you don't have to do so many good deeds to get yourself in. This is it, and this is it alone that we find salvation through Jesus Christ, and it is a free gift. And please understand, notice here, Jesus is Lord. It is not Mohammed. 
It is not the Buddha. It is not some other transcendental meditation. It is nothing else in this world. So if somebody is going to tell you that heaven is found in any other way, that is a flat-out lie. But again, why does he say it? Because he's saying to his disciples, guys, your eternity is secure. Your security is in the personhood of Jesus Christ. So don't worry about that. And then he says, all right, well, let, let's add another level here. He says, let's talk about your earthly comfort. Because they just told you that eternity is set for you. You don't have to worry about that. But he says, very truly, I tell you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they are even greater than these because I am going to the Father. Wait a minute. We're going, to, we're, going to do greater than, we're going to do greater than Jesus. That, that's what you're telling me. Jesus healed the blind. He healed the sick. He made the lame walk. He cast out demons. He raised from the dead. You're going to tell me I'm going to do something more magnificent than that? Well, if you take a look at the book of Acts, well, guess what? His disciples did all of the same things in the name of Jesus Christ. But what we need to understand here is what, what he is saying is it, it's the magnitude and the extent that Jesus is talking about. Jesus primarily did his ministry in and around the area of Jerusalem. And then he gives the power of the Holy Spirit off to his disciples and they take that ministry and they start to take it into Europe and they go into the Middle East and then they take it into Northern Africa. And then he takes that Holy Spirit and he says, here you go. Church, it is now your job as the church to take it to the very ends of the world, doing these things of my ministry, proclaiming the grace and mercies and the salvation nature of Jesus Christ. And so again, you've got to be thinking, wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to do greater things than Jesus? I, I'm going to do this, what Jesus did? Yes, because the spirit that was in Jesus is the same spirit that lives in you and me. He says, I'm going to give you another counselor. I'm going to give you the aid, the guide, who is going to help you and empower you through everything that you have to do in this world. I think so often we are terrified of ministry. I think so often we are terrified of the concept of evangelism. And I'm no different, guys. I'm not standing up here and saying I never get afraid and I'm never worried about doing that. But how many times have you done ministry and then you, it, it, it happens and you get done and you go, I don't know what happened. You don't know what happened because it wasn't you. It was the Holy Spirit working in you. And that's the problem we often forget is the power of what the Spirit can do. And so he says, listen, my disciples, I have something better for you to do. Church, I have something better for you to do. And you may be worried and you may be terrified of what's going to happen. But I'm telling you, you don't have to worry about it. Why? Because I will be with you every single step of the way. And, and I love what he says there. He says, I, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. What a powerful message. You know what an orphan is, right? 
An orphan is sadly somebody whose family has abandoned him or whose family has passed away and there's nobody to care for them. That, that's what an orphan is. Somebody that's been given up or has been left all to themselves and they get turned over to the state and the government then takes care of them. And what is Christ saying? I would never, ever let that happen to you. Why? Because you are my child and I am your father and I love you. So if you think I'm going anywhere, if you think anything is going to happen, it's not. I will be with you wherever you go and I will always be there regardless of what is happening. And so when we come to 23 to 27, he, he, kind of, he kind of sums this up again, what he's been saying to them. And he says, again, listen, he says, if you love me and obey me, you are in me. And I'm going to prepare a home for you. And I'm going to offer you my Holy Spirit. And you will have peace. And you don't have to be afraid. Okay, he just, he just sums up the whole passage again. And we live in a world of sin. We live in a world of difficulties and heartaches and trials. We have family struggles. There are tensions between husband and wife, between father and son, between siblings that exist. There are economic hardships that we are struggling with in our, in our lives. There are health issues, there are work problems, there are social dynamics that are raging on all around us that we have to deal with. And there may be some of you who are sitting there thinking, I can feel the weight and the burden of life just hanging on me. And it's getting to a point where I don't know if I can take it anymore. And there may be some of you who are at to the point where you're sitting there and you're just thinking to yourself, I'd rather just die. I want to call you back to the truth here, what we just read. If you are somebody that is so burdened right now and there is so much tension and anxiety and you just can't think straight, what I'm calling you back is to the truth of the gospel, which God is saying to his disciples and is saying to you, would you just trust me? It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. I am with you. You don't have to give up hope. I haven't abandoned you. I haven't left you to die in your misery. I am with you. And that's what we have just read. But, but for some of us, that's going to mean one of two things, possibly. Again, some of us think that God has abandoned us, right? People cry out, I'm going through this. Where is God? God said he would be here, but God hasn't shown himself. Well, maybe what we need to realize is that God didn't abandon us, but perhaps we've abandoned God. See, I, I think what happens is, is when we cry out to God, Sometimes we make it like it's some sort of lazy Easter egg hunt. We're in this struggle, we're in this trial, and we go, God, where are you? And we go, I have to find the eggs. I don't see it. I don't see it. I guess God's not around. And that's the way that we treat God. Or we call out to God and we look at our watch and we go, it's been a minute and he hasn't shown up. 
And therefore, we think that God doesn't love us or God doesn't exist. Maybe what we need to think about is that we need to passionately pursue God in the hardest and the driest times of our lives. That instead of saying, my life is miserable, God doesn't exist, maybe we continue to cry out to him and say, God, I'm not going anywhere until you show up, until you show yourself to me. Because God, you are there and you promised you would be there and I want to see it. And I can't promise that's going to happen quick. And I can't promise it's going to look exactly the way that you want because, again, God knows from the beginning until the end. But I will tell you what, that if you keep crying your heart out to God, God would reveal himself to you because that is what the scriptures have promised and that is what we hold on to is the truth and the word of God. And I think for some of us, we need to let go of playing God. For some of us, when situations get tough, we take God out of the driver's seat and we say, don't worry, God, I got this. And then we start trying to wonder, how come I'm not getting to where I need to be? How come things aren't going the way that I want them to go? Because there's a lot of things in this world that you and I cannot handle. There's a lot of things in this world that are completely out of our control. And no matter how hard you try to fix the problem, there is absolutely nothing you can do. But God can. God can handle it. And God can take control of it. God again promises us that he is good and he is loving and he cares for us. And at the end here, when he says to us that he's offered us Peace. This is the Greek word of the Hebrew word for shalom. And shalom is this all-encompassing peace. And it's meant to be the, the mental, the spiritual, the social, the physical. Your complete well-being as an individual. God is saying, peace be with you. And so God has said, I've taken care of eternity for you and I've taken care of the here and now for you and I've taken care of every single piece about you. But so often, what do we try to do when we're struggling and we hurt? We try to mask our problems the way that the world does. We seek out drugs and alcohol. We say, what if I just work harder and I work more? What if I just keep myself busy? What if I invest myself in my yoga meditation? All of my problems will go away. And what did Jesus say? I'm giving you a peace like none other in this world. Because there is no peace that can be had in this world than it is the peace of knowing Jesus Christ. Because it is the only peace that offers you and I salvation for now and all of eternity. And so when we say Jesus committed to our comfort... He committed to our care and our love. Complete peace only comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. Nowhere else. And that's what he's telling his disciples here. I've committed to caring for you because I love you 
and I died for you. Let's pray. Lord, it's, uh, it is easy to say that you exist. It's easy to say that you care for us. But Lord, we know in the difficulties and hardships of life, it is hard to live sometimes. But Lord, your word doesn't change. Your promise to us has not changed. And to that we praise you and we glorify, Father, that you have given us the counselor to reside with us, that every moment and every journey and every difficult aspect of our lives, Father, you are there walking each and every step. And again, Lord, we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know, Father, what you are attempting to do, and it can be difficult for us. But I pray, God, that we would cling to the blessed hope and promise that you have given us. And Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here right now that, as I said earlier, that feels so distraught, that, that in their minds, Lord, is struggling, Lord, that they would reach out. They would grab a brother and sister in Christ and say, I need help. I need prayer. I need God in my life because that is the only way that we are going to find our comfort and salvation and peace in this world. So I thank you, Lord, that you have not abandoned us as orphans, but you've loved us to the grave. Amen.